All right, the Indianapolis Colts sadly lose today, and, and that's really, really unfortunate because they played well enough to win. But playing well enough to win doesn't mean that you're going to win. And that's because that's not the way the NFL works. We're going to go today. We're going to go for a half an hour, half an hour, maybe 35 minutes. So get on board, activate yourself as a caller, and let's go because Indiana has a game against uh, Miami of Ohio at 5:30. So we're kind of we kind of got uh, a lot of content going on today on the YouTube channel. So today we're not going to do the typical you know hour. So we get everybody involved and everybody in. We're going to uh, uh, do, and we're going to talk about the Colts. And I'll tell you what, whether we talk about them for 40 minutes or whether we talk about them for an hour, it's really kind of immaterial. Is it not? Yes, it is. So this game, why'd they lose? McLaughlin uh, missed a field goal. That's one of the reasons that they lost. Another reason they lost is they couldn't get off the field late. You know, I think that defense wound up getting gassed. And as a result, that fourth and two, that wasn't good. And so the, the Eagles convert, they get a first down, and then the C's part and Jalen Hurts waltzes into the end zone. And and that was just malpractice. I don't know whose job it was to shadow Jalen Hurts, but he was out of position. And if it was Bobby Okereke, he was really out of position. And, and that's how you lose games. Zaire Franklin, you know, he did some good, did some stuff that wasn't so good. You know, he's a seventh-round draft pick, for the love of God, and he plays his ass off. So I'm not going to get too upset with Zaire Franklin over that pass interference because I think it was somebody else's blown coverage. And so Zaire wound up getting back there and sort of got the P.I. in order to keep that receiver from scoring a touchdown. So I'm not too damn upset about it. Um, one way, here's how a, a seemingly no big deal penalty kind of changes the game. And I think that it did it, second and nine. And this is sort of early in the game, second and nine on the Colts 40 screen to Granson, um, for 12, for 11 or 12 yards would have been a first and 10 on the Eagles 49, but Ryman released early in the play was negated. So it's second and 14 on the Colts 35. They wind up having to punt. At the end of that series, the defense got the following stop, so no blood, but they easily could have moved into a scoring position, and that's the kind of thing that happens, and that's where penalties wind up being really deleterious to your cause of winning because if you commit a penalty that negates a good play that puts you in a position to move the chains and continue a drive, that drive could have ended in a touchdown or a field goal. It did not. The Colts had to come off the field. Bernard Ryman had the two penalties that cost the Colts yards in the first half, the only two. And and then in the second half, it was it was much of the same. He had Fries with a couple of penalties, and he had Ryman. And then Ryman at the end uh, got bull rushed uh, by Hargraves right back into Matt Ryan's legs again. That can't happen. You know, Bernard Ryman has really good feet, and he has uh, outstanding athleticism. He's just got to get stronger He's not ready to play at this level. He's a guy who's going to give up a game for you. If he keeps Javon away from Matt Ryan, it's likely that the Colts win that game. But he didn't. And so what you got? Uh, let's talk to uh, to some of you. This is calling for a reason. This isn't Kent talk. We already did that. Uh, let's talk to David. David, make sure and unmute yourself. How you feeling after all? 
David, are you there? I can't hear you. So uh, let's uh, let's go to uh, Brandon and see if Brandon uh, unmute yourself. Brandon, we'll get back to uh, uh, Brandon. You there? How you feeling after a loss like yeah, this? Yeah, uh, it definitely hurts after a loss like this, but. Uh, at least we scored on the opening drive, and this team's got so much more energy now. And it's, yeah. It's good to see. You know, it sucks that we lost. We shot ourselves in the foot, but they only beat us by a point. So, you know, it's definitely happy at the end, I guess. You know, the the thing that was interesting to me, and, and you kind of hit on it, is it's a much more watchable team because of the energy, and you, you feel like they're out there to compete not just sort of drag ass and and get ready to drag ass again next week. It it seems like, you know, their energy kind of begets our energy and our energy sort of is carried along with theirs. You know what I mean? Even through TV. Absolutely. And so it was it was a much more fun watch today than like obviously that game against the Patriots, which wound up being Frank Reich's last, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was actually standing up the most of the game and yelling. And the last of these games, I've been sitting on my couch moping. <laughs> so Thanks, it's been a big difference. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Let's go to Fulton. Fulton, how you doing after a loss? Uh, a loser Sunday, but it doesn't feel as I'm doing much like a case. loss as that game just, the Patriots did. I'm just not happy about the Colts win today. No, the 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 Colts they get the loss, so there there are. It, but it's not right. It's not as sad as it was after they went to Foxborough and got their brake speed off, was it? Um, I don't think. Um, I think they did lose, but they need to have another chance to win uh, for the next game for next week. All right, and it's a Monday night football game, so that's fun. Thanks for the call, Fulton. Very nice of you, uh, Toby. How you? Can you hear me? All right, Kent. Yeah. Yeah, how you doing? yeah. I, uh, I will say this. Uh, my opinions is, uh, I think that if the Colts had had this energy, you know, you can say what it could have, should have, right? With this kind of a team playing the way they are right now, whether this was a loss or not, I don't think this team that's currently in this kind of mindset would have would have this record. I think they would have a winning record right now if it's if it started out, you know, a couple two three games into the season this way. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't know. It's it's frustrating because I mean that that face mask no call uh, that was definitely impactful on the game. That was huge. And I don't know how you missed that because they're by themselves on the field, and there are you, you got what are they got seven officials, and they're yeah. all kind of looking at that. And I don't know how not one of them saw that. I, the, the referee's job once the snap comes is to watch a quarterback. And yeah. if you're watching a quarterback, I don't know how you don't see it, but you know what? Like the announcer said on CBS, you win some, you lose some. Last week, it was a no call on a face, back, uh, face mask that cost the Eagles. This week, it was a no call on a face mask that may have given them the game. Yeah, I, I, I also don't agree with, you know, the whole people are, if you look at Matt Ryan, the only fault he's had, at least that I've seen now or heard on the radio over the last few games, is the sacks. He's been a lot better with not throwing interceptions. Uh, I mean, he's been – hell, what was it, last week when he sprinted like 30-something yards? So, I mean, yeah. is he Jalen Hurts? Is he, you know, 
Patrick Mahomes? No, he's not that mobile quarterback like them, but he's like a, a Tom Brady or whatever, Peyton Manning, the Roethlisberger. They run when they, ha- when they have to. You know, if they see an opening and they have to take it, they'll run for it. So I, anybody who says it's Matt Ryan's fault, that's not him. It's This is not on him, this game. I don't. He didn't throw any picks. The sacks that were allowed or happened to him were, as I think you said it earlier, were O-line def- defaults, O-line deficiencies. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Let's go to JP. Uh, JP, this was the result was disappointing. I don't think the energy was. What would you think? Yeah, you know, look, when you're playing a team that's this good and this is one of the best teams in the league, whoever makes the most mistake loses. And we made a few too many mistakes. And it was that simple. And, you know, a mistake doesn't have to just be a penalty or a turnover. A mistake is a missed blocking assignment. A mistake is calling a play where you know they're going to have maximum pressure on your rookie left tackle. How did they not know that that was happening? You got to get Ryan away from there. Um, You can't, you know, he was just a sitting duck and he, Ryan, you know, dropped back, sat there and predictably got, you know, boat rushed. Uh, So, I think that when you're playing that kind you know, look, we played well against good competition. We had most of the fundamentals were very solid. The play calling wasn't inspiring, but it was solid. Um, so they are doing the fundamentals, and that's what you like to see. But you, you're not going to win games against the best teams in the league if you if you're running back fumbles. Even though we got a fumble later, you know that you can't say, oh well, it didn't cost us anything. No, it did cost us. We had momentum, and he stopped a drive, and all the energy lets down. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that they need to keep working on. The two rookie offensive linemen were definitely the deficiencies today. That can be fixed. They're going to get better. They're going to be coached up. And so, you know, you got to learn from this. This is the one where you actually have to learn from it, uh, where they made the mistakes. But I think you have a lot of promising sides, uh, signs, Kent. I think that – Everybody's talking about the energy, but I just really think this focus on fundamentals, they ran just a handful of different kinds of plays um, that have been successful in the past. They were successful uh, on many occasions again today. It was a conservative uh, play calling by by the team, um, which was okay because it wasn't as – it didn't seem as predictable. You tell me, Kent, did you think it was the game plan was as predictable as it always was under Reich? You know what? I thought early and late, it was a little bit more unpredictable. But during the game, I get real tired of those swing passes to wide receivers and, and JT. Uh, I, I get tired of that as being the way we're going to advance the football through the air. I like crossers. I like uh, Pittman. I like Pierce coming over the middle. I like Paris coming over the middle. And we only utilized it very early in the game and very late in the game. And I don't know why we go away from that. Yeah, Pittman catch, you know, was catching everything that was thrown near him, and he is money from that like twelve yard, you know, thing that he does where he plants himself and nobody yep. can come over his back to get the ball. I don't know why they they don't go to that a little bit more often to move the. Yeah, I agree. The middle of the game got conservative. Too many direct up the middle. JT runs. He had a couple that broke ten yards, but for the most part, why are you running into the two freshest guys? on the team for the Philadelphia? Yeah, that's a great question. I totally agree. Thanks for the call, JP. Let's go to Rich. Um, Rich, this was this game you could have won, just like a lot of the games the Colts could have won. How are you feeling about it? You know, Ken, I'm just, you know, 
meh. I'm not too upset. I'm not happy. It's just, you know, Jeff Saturday came in, and I think he did, you know, we brought up some of the things he's done, focusing on the energy, focusing on this fundamental, simplifying the playbook. But at the end of the day, our biggest deficiencies are the same thing that has been a problem, the O-line. We simply don't have the correct players, and that falls on Ballard. Uh, And while we did have regression from Kelly, Smith, and Nelson this year, we have holes at left tackle and guard that just never got addressed. And, yeah, we drafted a left tackle for a rookie, that's clearly not the best way to address a left tackle that you need a starting level player at. And then now we have uh, Will Fries, who, again, in most NFL teams is probably not going to get the start. But, uh, hey, they did the best that they could. It's just I'm I'm throwing this on Ballard again, and I've been saying this for a couple weeks now. He's built a great team in all the other areas, but he did not pay attention to the most important part of football outside of quarterbacking the offensive line and yeah Saturday's got us to doing a little bit better but at the end of the day you can't make an average player a superstar everybody has their limits and uh you know I think we've we've seen that with this team Uh, I'm going to watch every single game like I always do but my hopes are uh and the ceiling I think has been shown this yeah I completely agree Rich I I I totally I and I we got to blame somebody. This is what we do. This is what fans do. This is what society does. We see uh, something we don't like, and there's got to be a target for our blame. And the target for my blame is the same target you have, and that's Ballard, although I would assess the differences uh, uh, as this. I don't blame him for not addressing the offensive line. I blame him for not addressing the wide receiver position. I think they've gotten very fortunate in their health at wide receiver uh, you don't have dynamic linebacker play. That has something to do with Shaquille Leonard and his injuries. You got some safeties who are kind of patchwork guys who are in there and out of there and, and playing reasonably well. Uh, I think you saw something uh, with the quarterback position. Isaiah Rogers can play, and Brandon Faison has a tough time uh, kind of playing up to the standards of Isaiah Rogers and and so you wind up with what you got. You know, you've got a a left tackle who really can't play right now at the level you need him to from a strength perspective. And you got a right guard who, who's trying – hell, he's a seventh rounder. I think he's a second-year guy. He's doing his best. But, my God, what do you think is going to happen with a second rounder or a seventh rounder anyway? Toby, how you doing? Good. Thanks for taking my call again. Uh, yeah. wanted to – Mentioned two points, well, three points, actually. One, I really strongly agree with what both Rich and JP just said previously about what, you know, their likes and dislikes and everything. I think Rich brings up a great point. It almost points out a – hypocrisy might be a strong word, but I'll still use it anyway for, Rich, for, for Ballard because if you look – granted, you know, you invest all the money and stuff and you think that – uh, you know, hey, it's going to work out based upon pr- past performance. Well, you know, he set, sunk so much money into, what, two or three guys, three guys, four, three guys on the O-line, yeah, highest paid offensive line in the league, but yet didn't put any of that money aside to really address that left tackle and that right guard. You know, I mean, those 
those two positions have turned out to be turnstiles for sack, sacks and defensive lines, you know, this whole season. And it, it, it's, it's almost, I just, that's why I say it's almost hypocritical, you know, the money invested in two or three players versus not addressing those holes. And then, like you said, not addressing a wide receiver, a, a lights out game breaking wide receiver that defenses fear like Terry McLaurin. Uh, and that's the second point. And the third point is lastly is, um, I don't know. I kind of, is it, is it any, um, testimony to the Colts performance today tied to the key, your, your phone call key? Usually you have a lot more people calling to complain about how they did. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of interesting. You're right. We, we get people who love to call and celebrate. We get people who love to, you know, call and carp. Um, today we're, we're kind of in the middle, I think. And, but I would say this about what Ballard did as far as investing. I, I think that his problem wasn't so much in the investing. I think it's where he invested. And I'll, I'll give you a yes. good example. And that's Matt Pryor. Yes, you know, not exactly. Nelson Kelly and Smith, but Matt Pryor's a $6 million guy. And, yeah. and if, if you got a $6 million guy, a guy you evaluated as somebody you could not let walk. So you gave him $6 million and he can't play dead. You got a real problem. And that's a problem of evaluation more than it is of either acquisition or, or expenditure. And, yeah. and, and he was so out I today. Was he out last week too? Who's that? Wasn't Pryor out today and last week? Pryor was out today. He was ill today. Uh, I think he went to the hospital this morning with an illness um, but he was there last week. I, I, okay. he wasn't up though. He, because Saturday comes in and he goes, Hey, who the hell's this 69? This guy can't block. Get him to hell off the field and put somebody Strasser, get somebody on the field who can block somebody. And that's how yeah. Pryor lost his job. And, and yeah. correctly, you know, sometimes it takes somebody from the exterior to walk in and, and kind of state the obvious. And, and the thing that also bothers me about, uh, Ballard is that like Ballard gets very defensive now. And yeah, and when sure. he's asked about things, he, he gets very, very defensive. And I don't like that. I don't think that's leaderly, if that's a word. <laughs> you invented a new word. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of funny, isn't it, how Saturday said, would probably say behind the locker room doors, saying, quote, unquote, get him a, quote, unquote, doctor slip to cover him for Sunday because he ain't playing. <laughs> It's an excused absence one way or the other, for sure. Yeah. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Toby. Um, Thank you. Hey, we got room for everybody, and uh, we're going we're gonna to spend some time talking about this game. Let's go over the statistics, which really don't tell the story uh, of the game, I don't think, in any kind of adequate way, um, because it, it makes it look like like maybe the Colts should – maybe they should have won this game. I don't know. Taylor with 84 yards, that didn't bad. He had a touchdown. Ryan, neither a touchdown nor a pick. He was sacked four times, but he didn't fumble it. He didn't turn it over. And when he doesn't do that, the Colts generally succeed. Jalen Hurts, the leading rusher for the Eagles today with 86 yards, including that touchdown where he just kind of sauntered into the end zone because no Colt was anywhere near him. And, and that was disappointing. But a loss is a loss, whether it's 17 to 16 or 35, nothing, you know, it counts the same. And it means that if the Colts had won this game, they'd be in a position where they really needed to win four of six remaining games in order to get to the playoffs. And if you count and you can't do this, I know that this is stupid, 
But if you look at the schedule and you say, okay, the Steelers, they're terrible. Their offense can't even function. You're going to beat them. And then the Texans at the end of the year, that's a win. So if you have to win four of six and you count those as wins, all you have to do is go two and two with the remaining four and you go to the playoffs. But because they lose this game 17 to 16, as they did to the commanders, right? Wasn't that the same exact score? You know what? You, you're what you are really is it was 17, 16. When was the last time you saw a team lose twice 17 to 16 in the same season? If you beat the Texans, you beat the Commanders, and you beat the Eagles, you're talking about a seven and what is it, seven and four team. And from seven and four, like you're you're in great shape for the division for the wild card. You're in great shape. They are they are five points away from you know being the the captain of their own boat in terms of getting to the playoffs. Uh, let's go to Andrew. Andrew. How you doing this afternoon? A uh, certainly a disappointing result. Were you disappointed with the effort? Were you disappointed with the execution? What were you disappointed in? Well, I was disappointed in the offense for the most part. I, I, this is the first game that I felt really engaged in for a while, so yeah. I was pretty excited about what they were b- bringing. But the the defense, I feel like they're being let down. This is the best def- Colts defense maybe I've ever seen in my lifetime. And at least on all levels, maybe they don't have the stars on all the levels, but they've been holding teams under 20 points pretty much every game all season. Imagine if they had an explosive offense like the Colts used to have, they would look unstoppable. Um, So the offense has really, I feel like, let me down. That's why I'm disappointed. I'm really hoping they can find something to become more explosive next year, whether that be a quarterback change or a quarterback change and you know, some young playmakers. I know it's asking a lot of where are you going to find all this, but that's where my head is. I'm excited about the, they look like they're playing harder. So I'm excited about that at least. I appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you for the call. And I would, you know, as you look at needs that unfortunately, because what the Colts have done, and this is, this is also the fallacy of the Ballard model is that when you use a sixth overall pick to go out and get a left guard, and you can go get a left guard. You can get a really good left guard in the NFL with a third-round, fourth-round pick. If you use a sixth overall pick to go get your left guard of the future, and and you got a guy like Costanzo who's going to retire, you you need a first-round pick generally to go get a really, really good left tackle. You need a first-round pick generally to go get a really, really good Uh, quarterback. You need a first, second, or third rounder to go get a really, really good wide receiver. So you're, when you go get that guy, that right guard, who now you got to pay $20 million a year for the foreseeable future, you, you put yourself in a box, not just in terms of expenses, but in terms of previous investment in offensive or defensive players. Because you've you've invested that six overall pick in a guy who plays a position where you can go get somebody to play it at, at almost any level of the draft. Like Will Fries, and God knows Will Fries has got some work to do to become competent at right guard and, and not commit penalties. But you, he's a seventh rounder. You know what I mean? So I, at one guard, you got a six overall pick who is said to be a generational talent. I don't even know what that means with a guard to tell you the truth. And then on the other side, you got a seventh rounder and you're trying to win football games with both. 
that that's kind of strange to me, to tell you the truth. And and that's kind of the hallmark of the Chris Ballard methodology. Hey, let's go to JP. You teed me up perfectly because what I wanted to talk about was next year's draft. And next year's draft is very heavy on defensive line, especially defensive end and offensive line. And so we're in a weird situation where they might be able to get a left tackle. Um, there's even like a, another generational guard who will go later in the first round, but, um, there's, there's at least four or five first round level talent offensive linemen. And there's, uh, probably seven defensive end, uh, first round talents that, are going to fall all throughout that first round. Outside of those positions, it's not that great of a draft. They say it's a generational quarterback draft. Yeah, there are three that look like they have some potential, but after that, they don't project anybody else until like late second round. So have you looked you know, at the and, draft? And I don't like either of those three or any of those three as well as a lot of guys do. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not in love with Stroud. I'm not in love with Young. And I really flat don't like Levis. So I, I don't I think this might wind up being a, a quarterback draft that really leaves the teams that try to utilize it to to go out and get a franchise level quarterback. I think it's gonna leave them wanting. It's that it's gonna look for a desperate team to it's gonna be yeah. just like the, the Sam Darnold draft where everybody was terrible in the, in the beginning of it, except for the guy that beat us today. And so yeah, I, I think that we might have to get our left tackle and we might have to live with Matt Ryan again another year or people are now tying us to Derek Carr. I think we're going to get another replacement quarterback like we have kept doing. I don't think there's any other option because we're not going to be a top five uh, drafting team. We've won too many games. I find it really bizarre, all this talk, and, and I've seen it on the comments of the YouTube channel again and again and again. We've got to go get Derek Carr. We've got to make a trade for Derek Carr. We just beat Derek Carr's ass. He's like he's one of the few quarterbacks who he could get over on, and he's got a terrific wideout in Adams and, and somehow couldn't utilize him to beat a team with a brand-new coach who had never coached outside the high school ranks. I What are people talking about? Why in the world? Maybe he winds up being the next Matthew Stafford because – Carr and Stafford are about the same age as when Stafford went out to L.A. But uh, who wants Derek Carr? Why do we want to hitch our wagon to that guy? The funny thing is, you're, you're so right, because Stafford and Carr are the two, only two of like the top 20 current active uh, quarterbacks as far as uh, how much experience they have. They're the only two with losing records. So they've managed to hang on in the league with losing records, and he's got the worst of all of them. It's just unbelievable to me. Thank you, JP. I appreciate it as always. Great stuff. This game, a disappointing loss. Not from it. You know what? The game was entertaining. The effort was there. When the energy's good, the Colts are fun to watch. And that goes for any team. You know, if you're a Cubs fan, as you watched, like in 15, they were electric. 16, they were electric. Then 17, not so much. 18, it really kind of waned. And in 19, you're like, holy crap, this team's got no fizz to them at all. They're absolutely non-carbonated. You saw the same thing with the Pacers in previous years. Now this year, they're carbonated. They're fun to watch. Colts, under Reich, there was no fun to be had by this team. They were like professionals doing their jobs at a professional level. And now 
Like they're they're out there having fun playing football, and and so it's a little bit more fun to watch. In fact, a lot more fun to watch. Colts they lose today, and and that is a great disappointment uh, because they really had a chance. I mean, this is a this is a game where they had a double digit lead going into the fourth quarter, and they wind up losing, and and that is malpractice if you want to get into the playoffs. They lose by one. They lost by exactly the same score against the Commanders. They tied the game against the Texans. If you convert all of those to wins. You're at seven and four, and you feel really good about being seven and four. Instead, you're four, six, and one, and and you're kind of looking now seriously. You know, you've got to win five or six to go to the playoffs, even to have a chance to go to the playoffs, and that's unlikely to happen. You've got road games, a road game against the Giants. You're going to be able to win that one. You've got you got some some tests, not just at home, but on the road. You got the Chargers, but they're at home. That that's winnable. You got the Cowboys on the road. You got Minnesota on the road. You got the Giants, Minnesota, and the Cowboys on the road, and you got to win two of those games. That is not going to be easy, and uh, that but that's the way it is. And so now we start to think seriously about what's coming, and, and what's coming is an off season where you don't have a lot of cap room. And you got an off season where you either have to figure out a way to win with Matt Ryan or get another quarterback. You got to go out and get a left tackle of the future or build Bernard Ryman into that left tackle of the future. You got to go get a linebacker in case Shaquille Leonard can't play anymore because that's a real possibility. Maybe he comes back a hundred percent. Maybe he can't come back at better than 80% and an 80% Shaquille Leonard is just not very good. And that's kind of where you are. As you look at the Colts, they got holes, baby. And and they got guys, they, they got to pay this offseason. They're going to have to extend Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor this offseason because they got one more season under Colts control, and then it's big trouble unless they want to franchise Taylor in 2024. You could do that. I, I think you've got to sign, though. you got to sign Michael Pittman Jr. unless he just wants to ride it out here and become a free agent. I don't know. I don't get a sense of whether he loves Indianapolis or not. Some guys do. Some guys don't. Maybe Michael does. I don't know. Uh, at any rate, breakfast with Kent tomorrow. We did a deal, and it's not really a deal. I won an auction on pristineauction.com, who sponsored us for a week on the YouTube channel. And I got four autographed items. Two of them are by NFL Hall of Famers. We got a, a terrific autographed jersey. And none of these are Colts related, which is kind of a shame, but that's okay. I, I think they're still cool. And if you want to give somebody something cool for Christmas, here they are. You know, we got Ron Dane. We've got, uh, that's an autographed mini helmet. We've got an Andre Tippett uh, Patriot signed jersey. We've got a Dante Culpepper uh, Vikings commemorative football. And we have an autographed 8x10 of a guy named Lou Creekmer. And Lou Creekmer, as it turns out, was an offensive guard and a Hall of Famer for the Detroit Lions back in the 50s. But it's a cool deal. He passed away about 15 years ago, but he signed some of these pictures. And so we're giving it away. We're giving one away each week for the next four weeks uh, during Breakfast with Kent and Inside Indiana Sports Now. Both air on the YouTube channel. They also air as part of a 
an audio uh, podcast festival on, uh, well, Apple Podcasts and uh, anywhere you 